Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Satan is like a roaring lion. His name, Lucifer, literally means shining one or light bearer. And this was his purpose, to bring the worship of God to him. We're going to look at a verse later that's fairly interesting. But when you think of the devil, what do you think of? You typically think of darkness, and yet the Bible says Lucifer is the shining one. Welcome, everyone, to today's edition of Truth in Christ Radio. Today, Peter tells us that as Christians, we must be sober and vigilant all the time because we do have an enemy in Satan, and he is always walking about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. For Christians, Satan is a lion who may roar, but who has been defeated at the cross. Yet his deceptive lies are still potent, and he has the power to devour souls and rob Christians of their joy. However, we are to lean on our Savior, Jesus Christ, for he is our protector and our refuge from all evil. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 8, and follow along with Pastor Rob. There's a power behind that throne. It's either of God or it's of Satan. So God starts to address the real power behind Sennacherib. And he says, O Lucifer, how are you fallen from heaven, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations? For you have said in your heart, and here's the Satan's pride. This is what got Lucifer booted. He says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. And I love how the Holy Spirit comes in and says, Yet you shall be brought down to hell, to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. God addressing Satan, the power behind the throne. But pride is what caused Lucifer to be lifted up. He said, therefore, in verse 6, back in First uh, Peter now, he said, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that you may exalt, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. I love what it says that Solomon in Ecclesiastes had this to say. He says, don't be rash with your mouth and let your heart... Let not your heart utter anything hastily before God, for God is in heaven and you are on earth. Therefore, let your words be few. (laughs) That's kind of interesting, isn't it? God is in heaven and here am I on earth. 
Is it good for me to boast? Is it good for me to think that I'm something when I, when I forget my creator, the one who breathed life into me in my mother's womb, who formed me in my mother's womb? Is it good for me to boast and, and, and feel proud? No. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he, God, may exalt you in due time. And humility, folks, is a wonderful hallmark of the Christian life, of the Christian faith. Is there humility in your life? Or are you still puffed up in your own pride? Maybe you've got some skill or ability. Maybe you've got some kind of degree behind your name. Be careful that you don't take that gift, that ability, that pedigree, whatever it may be, and allow it to puff you up. Because the devil is seeking to destroy you. And the first century believers whom this letter was addressed to, they needed to hear that. They needed to hear that, that God would exalt them in due time because they were undergoing persecution. And they say in that time, in, in, in the first century, around you know, 66, 67, when Nero was still alive in Rome, and the emperor, Roman emperor Nero, he was one of the cruelest of the Roman emperors. He would find Christians and he'd bring them into the Colosseum and they would tie them to posts, men and women, Time to post, and then they'd lift up these gates on the sides of the Colosseum, and everybody would be cheering for this blood fest they were about to see. And the lions would come out, and they would just tear him to pieces. And it was sport. And he was one of the cruelest, most ungodly men on the earth. So this was a great encouragement for those first century believers, and to know that the Lord cared for them, that They could cast their cares on him. Where do you cast your cares? Do you call your friend? Which it's okay to call a friend. If you've got one good friend in life, they say, you are blessed. If you've got one really good friend. But where do you go to when you cast your cares? Do you you go to the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you get on your knees? I would encourage you to get on your knees, to humble yourself. You know, so often we know that it's not legalism. Because, you know, I know I can pray and I can have my feet up on my desk and I can pray and God hears me just as well. But there's something about humbling myself before the one who I know is so much greater than I am. Whose shoes I'm not, like, as, as John the Baptist said, I'm not even worthy to un, unlatch his shoelaces. I'm not even worthy to, to stand on the ground that he's standing on. That's the God we serve. That's how great and awesome he is. But notice in verse 8, it says, be sober, be vigilant. The idea is be self-controlled and vigilant, be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, the diabolos, Satan, this slanderous, murderous entity, this being who's bent on destruction, your adversary, the devil, what does he do? He walks like a roaring lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Satan is always a serpent. He's beneath That's why he wants to be exalted. And Jesus, you recall, he came as the suffering servant. He came as the meek and mild baby Jesus in the manger, harmless. The Lamb of God takes away the sin of the world. But the Bible says that he's coming back. After the church has been raptured, seven years later, he's coming back physically to this earth. And he's not going to come back as a meek, mild lamb. He's going to come back as a conquering king. 
He's going to come back like a lion to, for judgment. And if that frightens you this morning, it ought to, especially if you don't know Jesus. But the opportunity is today. This is all you've got. You don't have tomorrow. You must give your heart to Christ today, for you don't know what tomorrow holds. So many people have thought, well, I'll just wait till tomorrow. I'll wait till I retire, and then I'll go to church. I'll wait till I retire and do, have my fun, and then I'll give my heart to Christ. Well, guess what? By the time you get there, if, you, if God gives you the grace to live that long, and you don't suffer some accident, or come down with some disease, or have a heart attack, one day, you'll, you, you, when you get to that place, you won't have any desire for it. Do it now. Give your heart to Christ now. Do not wait. But Satan is like a roaring lion. His name, Lucifer, literally means shining one or light bearer. And this was his purpose, to bring the worship of God to him. We're going to look at a verse later that's fairly interesting. But when you think of the devil, what do you think of? You typically think of darkness, and yet the Bible says Lucifer is the shining one. This being, this, he is a light bearer. But we, when we think of the devil, we think of darkness. But he was an anointed cherub that was full of light. He's not this caricature that we see when we are in watching cartoons as young people. You know, with the little pointy tail and the pitchfork and the little ears. You know, in the red suit with the zipper on the back. That's not who he is at all. He wants you to think that. But oh, he's so much more cunning than that. He comes with beauty. He comes... And it appeals to your flesh. His plans appeal to your flesh, and it feels so right. It seems so right. He's a deceiver and a liar, and his heart is to murder you. He can't take your salvation away from you, but boy, he can make your life miserable as a Christian. He can make you fruitless. He can make you feel worthless, even though you're of great value to God. He can ruin your testimony. Turn with me to Ezekiel 28. Again, this is a very uh, interesting passage because here the Lord, through the prophet Ezekiel, who was in Babylon during the Babylonian captivity, now he's ministering to those in Babylon. And now God is going to be speaking to a king of Tyre along the western coastline there of the Mediterranean there. We would know it as the area of Phoenicia up there north of Israel, right on the coast. God speaks through Ezekiel to this king of Tyre. And again, verses 1 through 9, 1 through 10, excuse me, are speaking about the king himself. And God speaking against this man full of pride. But I want you to look at verse 11. He says, moreover, the Lord again does the same thing. He addresses the, the entity, the power behind the throne. Verse 11, he says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> I thought the king of Tyre, he's a physical man on the earth. Now he's speaking of some being that was in the garden of Eden. Well, we know Adam and Eve were there. Who else was there? Satan himself. He says, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, the, the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. He was a worship leader. 
This man was outfitted by God's grace. He was not only a light bearer, but he was a musician, which explains why musicians are so weird. No offense, Sarah, but I'll, you know, I'm, I'm weird. You're actually the, not weird at all, but, but, but I'm pretty weird. Um, but this was his call. This was his job, if you will. He says, verse 14, You were the anointed cherub who covers, and I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created. Underline that word. Satan is not equal with Jesus Christ. Jesus was not created. God was, is the only uncreated one. Did he exist before he was born of the Virgin Mary? Absolutely. We know that he is the word of God. He existed way before that. But Satan was a created being, folks. He was created. He was not and is not equal with God. So this whole idea of the yin and the yang, nonsense. God is all-powerful. But notice, till iniquity was found in you. You had a great and wonderful job till iniquity was found in you. And the the iniquity, we read about it in Isaiah 14. The iniquity of pride. I will ascend. I will do this. I will do that. It was all self-focus. I want to do this. I'm not getting, I don't want to just bring my worship before you, Jehovah. I want it for myself. Because after all, I am a light bearer. I deserve something. God says, iniquity was found in you, and by the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within. You were, you've sinned, therefore I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Notice, verse 17, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Talk about a narcissist. He probably was surrounded by mirrors. No wonder there's so much light. You light one light, and you see 20 or 30 other lights around you because you're looking at yourself. Ever seen a narcissist, somebody who just, all they do is think about themselves, how beautiful they are? The very origin of that is right here. I cast you to the ground. I laid you bare before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. And all who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. The devil is going to have his day. Can I get a witness? <laughs> yes. You are being watched. This being, you are being studied. Does that bother you? It, does, it, it kind of bothers me. It's bothering enough to know that a physical person might be watching you. You know, some kind of weirdo. But think of a being who you can't see, who's studying you. You don't need to fear him, Christian, but it is a little unnerving to know that this being knows all my mistakes. He's not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's certainly not omnipresent, but he knows my history. He knows my faults. He knows my weaknesses. I would like to share with you a video I thought was interesting. I saw this and I couldn't help myself. It kind of reminds me of somehow, sometimes, that we can be like this. And, and what it is, is a video of the African desert, or African Sahara, or whatever. And you'll see, if you could turn off the spots, that'd be great. In the foreground here at the bottom, you see some gazelles. And there's two other gazelles up here. And they got their horns, and they're locked, and they're fighting, or fighting over a young lady. I have no idea. Probably the fighting over the young lady. 
And then watch what happens. It's a short video. Look what's coming. Right there. While they're playing, the other gazelles have taken off. And now there's lion. They're totally unawares until the last moment. And the lion takes him. And I thought to myself, what an interesting thing. Because the devil, like that lion, was out there watching them playing, watching them fighting. And sometimes in the church we can be like that. Have you been in a church where all people do is fight? Just, they just fight. Or, or they're having a little too much fun. There's nothing wrong with having fun. But I think we need to be sober. We need to be watchful. Isn't that what it says here in this verse? It says, be sober, be, be vigilant. And sometimes we can be playing playing church, or we could just be enjoying life and, not, and totally just kind of at ease. And all the while, in the distance, you can't even see him coming. And he just runs upon you in the minute. And we find ourselves caught up into something. We find ourselves getting hurt. And you'll notice that they started to scatter, and that's exactly what the devil does. He likes to divide and conquer. The Bible says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. We need to be wise. In Genesis chapter 3, you remember when the serpent came to Eve, he deceived her in the garden. He was studying her. He knew the weakness. Why didn't he go to Adam? Well, Adam was the head, and Eve was the weaker vessel. And that's just Satan's way. He's watching you. He's looking for the weakness. And he's going to find the weaker vessel. And he's going to play with them first. Because if you play with the weaker vessel, now you've got Adam's attention. You've got him distracted now. Now the devil comes around and does other things behind his back. And so that's why it's so important for us, again, not to, not to be fearful of the, these things, but to keep our eyes on Jesus. To keep our eyes in the word of God. To keep our heart in prayer. To be into fellowship. Because like those gazelles, you know, the devil loves to get us where we're just all by ourselves. Everyone else, the 99 have taken off, but there we are thinking we're going to do something. And we're the one that gets picked off. And yet when we fellowship together, we're strong and together. We're strong together, folks. In Second Samuel chapter 11, if you could go there with me. 2 Samuel chapter 11 is a a chapter that we all know very well. I'm just going to read to you the first five verses. It says, It happened in the spring, 2 Samuel chapter 11, It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David, notice, remained at Jerusalem. He's supposed to be out in the field with his men, but he stayed at home. Then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful to behold. So David sent and inquired about the woman, and someone said, Isn't this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And then David sent messengers and took her, and she came to him, and he lay with her, for she was cleansed from her impurity, and she returned to her own house. And the woman conceived... So she sent and told David and said, I am with child. 
And you think about David here. Do you think that the enemy of his soul was not looking for his weakness? Do you, do, do you know that before this event happened, the devil was already knowing, had a strategy to set this man up, this great king, one of the best kings that Israel had ever had. Certainly wasn't without sin. We know that he committed this sin of, of, of adultery. And then he killed Uriah the Hittite, her Bathsheba's husband, to hopefully cover up this pregnancy and then marry her and then you know do all this quickly so it appear like this child maybe was from before. He's trying to cover up his sin. Do you think that the devil hatched that plan on the spot? No, he'd probably been setting it up for a while. And the Bible doesn't really tell us about Bathsheba, about where her heart was, but is it possible that she knew David was home? She knew perhaps he wasn't out on the battlefield. Don't you think that she probably knew perhaps that he often liked to go out on the top and get a fresh air, you know, at the top of his palace and walk around? Handsome man, talented, gifted, full of power, authority. And there she was. And the devil just sets these things up in the wrong place at the wrong time. And do you think that the devil hadn't studied David? I think he'd been studying him for a long time. And that's why it's so important that we walk circumspectly, that we, we really walk soberly and vigilantly. Uh, vigilantly. Is that the right word? We've got to be vigilant and we've got to be sober. We've got to stop going on autopilot and think purposely about things. Because it's so easy for me to get in autopilot. Can anyone bear witness to that? It's easy to be in, 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 in just autopilot. Be purposeful in everything you do. Think about it ahead of time. It requires a little more effort, but you've got to start thinking. We all need to start thinking because there's brothers that I know, men in the pulpits in this country, who have fallen. God still loves them and, and, you know, and everything, but these things don't have to happen. Pray for me. Pray for yourselves. Pray for the elders. That none of this stuff would happen. That we'd have eyes wide open and hearts blazing for Christ that we would only desire him more than anything else. In second in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 it says no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. See God gives you the tools necessary to resist the devil. You remember what happened to Job? Job had seven sons and three daughters. He had a multitude of sheep and livestock. Very faithful man in all of his house. He was a wonderful man. And it says in verse 6 of Job chapter 1, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves. These are angels, these sons of God. They came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan also coming among them. Did you know that Satan still has access to the throne of God even today? Just as he did back here, that's kind of un- blows our mind to think that there is uh, the devil has access to the throne of God, but he does. One day he's going to be cast out. We know that in the book of Revelation, in Revelation, uh, uh, I think it's chapter twelve. But notice what happens. <laughs> they came to present. Satan came along with him, and the Lord said to Satan, "From where do you come?" And so Satan answered the Lord and said, "From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it, to seeking whom I may devour." And the Lord says, "Have you considered my servant Job? He's faithful. He's a wonderful man. 
He loves me with all of his heart. He loves his kids. He even sacrifices for them just in case they've sinned. He makes sure that they're covered. Have you considered him? And you know, there's a part of me that doesn't like that. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time when Pastor Rob continues our study in First Peter. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.